Welcome to A Better Press for a Better World, a series from the Michigan Interscholastic Press Association. We explore the world of media through conversations with professional journalists and others in the media industry. And now, your host, MIPA's Executive Director, Jeremy Steele. Welcome, everybody. Uh, My name is Jeremy Steele. I'm the Executive Director of the Michigan Interscholastic Press Association and a faculty member in the School of Journalism at Michigan State University. Uh, We're glad to have you for another of our Better Press for a Better World uh, webinars. Today, we are talking about sports media with three uh, professional sports journalists from across the country. Let me introduce them to you, and then we will start to field your questions. Uh, Romando Dixon is the sports editor for the Clarion Ledger and Hattiesburg American, which is part of the USA Today network. Uh, Romando has spent nearly 17 years as a journalist, beginning his career as a sports writer in Newark, Ohio. Prior to moving to Mississippi in 2019, he spent nearly four years at the Greenville News in South Carolina, where he was an editor overseeing a team of seven reporters. Uh, Throughout his career, he's been a reporter, multimedia journalist, digital producer, and editor, and he is a graduate of Michigan State University. Go green. Go white. Remy Monahan is the weekend sports anchor for KTEN, an NBC affiliate that covers parts of Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Born and raised in Metro Detroit, Remy grew up watching Detroit area teams, which helped fuel her her passion for sports. Uh, She got her first taste of sports broadcasting in high school in a TV production class. Remy is also a Michigan State University graduate, where she minored in sports journalism and was a major in journalism. Uh, While at Michigan State, she was involved in the BTN Student U broadcast and was involved in covering other sports uh, there on campus. And our last guest is Dan Wanky of the Los Angeles Times. Dan is the national basketball writer uh, moving into that job after covering the Chargers. He's previously covered the Clippers during uh, the Lob City era. at the Orange County Register. He's also covered the Angels, the Dodgers, and USC while in Los Angeles. A native of Chicago, he is a graduate of Eastern Illinois University, although I know you from your time at Michigan State. So all four of us have Michigan State ties. I was an attendee. It's nice to be around graduates. I was an attendee. (laughs) That's okay. We we welcome all kinds, uh, (laughs) and lots of folks have interesting paths to, to get where they end up, and hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about that uh, throughout the course of our conversation today. So uh, let me just start out. I want to ask you all, obviously, we're all homebound right now um, through various stay-at-home orders and, and dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. How is that affecting the way you're doing your job and the operations that uh, you have in your newsrooms? Um, Romando, do we want to, you want to start? Tell us a little bit about how this is changing the way um, you're running the sports desk. Sure. Um, first of all, just the stories are totally different. You have uh, no game coverage, um, you know, so you have to focus a lot on um, human interest stories. And, you know, quite honestly, it's something we do anyway, but you double down on it. Um, and certainly um, it's changed the way our guys are used to um, doing their jobs. Um, my team in um, at the Clarion Ledger, we have two guys who work remotely two and a half hours away, out, out based in Jackson. Uh, those guys are based in Oxford, and the other is based in Starkville. 
uh, both are which of which are two and a half hours away. So we do a lot of it. We are already doing a lot of communicating via phone or text or messaging or some type of conference call. Um, I think it's changed the guys who are used to working in the office with me um, and just being able to like walk over to my desk or talk and things like that. Uh, but no matter whether they're working remotely or, uh, you know, from a distance naturally um, or in the office, I think the biggest thing is that I told them to do their homework. We are as much news reporters now as we are sports journalists. These stories that you're writing, you know, they're, they're not going to be based off games or storylines from the season. Um, they're going to be based off the coronavirus. And that's what you see so much in national coverage. All the um, uh, best stories and national stories are about um, the coronavirus and how long it's going to last and how it impacts sports. But you still have to, to understand and write about these topics. You still have to have an understanding about what's going on in your world. And uh, from, I think, March 11th, March 12th is about when the coronavirus took over sports. And I, that very first morning, I said, do your homework. Do your homework. And because this is going to consume us. So it's changed things um, a lot for us. This is this, this week is actually probably pretty normal for them in that the NFL draft is happening. So I feel like they are more in their comfort level this week uh, because they can write about something that they're used to writing about. Remy, how are things different at your TV station there on the Texas and Oklahoma border? Yeah, so definitely things are so much different. Uh, first of all, when this started, so as you mentioned, I work on that border. Um, and the day before I was set to go to Oklahoma City for the Oklahoma Boys and Girls Basketball State Championships, which are held in OKC, uh, was the Thunder game with Rudy Gobert, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so that was interesting to say the least I had the day off um was running errands and like came home and was watching that game and I was like why haven't they started yet because I on my days off like to watch sports as everybody else does um and they had canceled that and we were very quickly learning and obviously that night too the NBA season was suspended and all these seasons or things were going on and uh the OSSAA had not canceled the tournament at like that night or even that morning. So I got all the way to Oklahoma City, which is three and a half hours from here. And they were like, oh yeah, by the way, like now we're canceling it. And I was like, cool. Uh, so that was kind of how everything started here. But I actually do go into the station as of right now. Um, our county does not have a stay at home order. Um, Texas as a whole does not right now, and neither does Oklahoma, only unless you have a confirmed case in the county in Oklahoma, are you do you have stay at home order. Um, so we are still allowed to go to the station and work. Um, I, this past week and a half or so, have kind of started to move to a work at home format on the days that I report. Um, but we have limited gear and equipment and stuff like that. So I'm still going into the station to film and that kind of thing. And then I normally put it all on a hard drive, all of my footage, and then I come back to my apartment and edit and send back, which has also had its share of challenges trying to send uh, a two minute long package takes sometimes five minutes or sometimes it takes an hour. That happened to me last week. So 
Um, yeah, things are definitely, as you know, everybody's mentioned, uh, there aren't any games. So we were getting ready for the state championship and baseball and softball season, which are huge here. And we don't have any of that anymore. But it is kind of nice to be able to do these features on kids that are really fantastic that we wouldn't normally have time for. Uh, it's just myself and our sports and the sports director in our department. So between what our normal schedule is with all of our games, um, we just don't have a lot of time to do that. Also, because our viewing area is so big, um, I mean, from the very top until the very bottom, it's like a three and a half hour like driving gap, if that makes sense. So um, even just like time-wise to drive to places, sometimes it isn't feasible to then also get like what your normal content would be, previews and um, game highlights and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely been um, a change. You know, we're all trying to figure it out as we go, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful that currently we're, all of my coworkers and I are healthy. Um, nobody, we have about 19 cases in our county, which is so, so small compared to most other places, especially like Jeremy mentioned, I grew up in Michigan um, and Michigan is a insanely huge hotspot for the virus right now. My stepmom and my cousin both tested positive and luckily they are healthy and safe now. Um, so yeah, it's but definitely also interesting for me to live in an area where we have so few cases and things are kind of normal where we can't go to restaurants and like Walmart's hours are shortened, but like everything else is kind of the same. Whereas most feel like for you guys, everybody has a stay at home order for the most part. So it's definitely different for sure. And Dan, obviously um, California's had a decent number of uh, cases. How are things in, in your area and how, how is this affecting the way you do your job? Well, I've grown two mustaches and shaved them twice so far. That's how long I've been home. It's been, uh, they, and they've been horrible too. They've been really, really bad ones. Um, I mean, you know, Remy mentioned that uh, Utah Jazz Oklahoma City game. Um, I was at an NBA game the night before with the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately eight players tested positive. I think total or six from from that were at that game. Um, and I was uh, had gotten a text message and like kind of knew, um, you know, I, I had in my reporting up to this knew that all it was going to take was for one player to test positive and then things were going to halt. I didn't know it would happen so dramatically. And so like a lot of people, I was sitting at home. My wife was at work. She's a nurse. She was at work. I was home with the, our baby and I was trying to get our baby to be quiet so I could write the biggest news story that I'll maybe write this year, you know, well, maybe not. We had, we had the Kobe Bryant death too, but um, you, you know, I think um, to echo a lot of what Manu and Remy both said is it's a mixture of trying to find things like features and stuff like that while also doing a lot of news reporting. Um, you know, that is something right now where we are, I'm still primarily driven by news. Is the season going to happen? Um, what ideas are they talking about? What health people are they working with? What meetings are they having? Stuff like that, which is um, more news driven than even typically I would be in my job, um, which I've always tried to approach more from a feature standpoint. And then the thing that I think has been interesting, Jeremy, is trying to find the right tone on features that you have. Um, I have a story that I love that I really want to write and I did all the reporting and, it's about basically players 
when you make it to the NBA, you buck these amazing odds to get there, right? To make a name for yourself. But what if you get there and someone else already has your name? Like there are these two guys like Boyan Bogdanovich and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They're not related. There's one letter apart in their names. And they get confused for each other all the time. There's all of these different people in the NBA who have names that are very similar. And it's like a really fun story. Um, nobody at my paper wants anything to do with the story right now. They couldn't be less interested in it. Um, and, and we did something earlier this year. Uh, I'm sorry, earlier this year, it feels like it. Earlier this sort of uh, um, this past month, um, I had a story that I was working on about how this um, web app called Cameo, where you can pay yeah. celebrities and athletes to film shout outs was going to be like the new autograph. And I'd like worked on this. The NBA has been very active in it. I'd been working on it. We rolled the story out. We thought it would do really well. And it was like met with like a total thud because it was, it didn't have a super hard news tie and, um, and it wasn't like breaking news. So we've tried to figure that stuff out. I think the one thing that we've had some success with is for us in sports is like, we've kind of glommed on to the Michael Jordan documentary and we've been able to come up with some content based on that. And we've done some other sort of nostalgia based, I think reporting is what I would call it. But I mean, yeah, we're, we're kind of all hands on deck trying to figure out what to do. Our section has been cut significantly. We're down to one section front per week. Um, and otherwise we're like three pages, but down from eight. You know, so it's it's been a pretty a pretty drastic change for us out here. Um, which which touches on one of the questions that we've got from uh, one of the folks listening in. Um, what are the stories that you all are covering in your newsrooms? I know Dan, you talked a little bit about that, but with so many sports canceled from high school on up through the pros, what does that leave your sports teams talking about, either in your newscasts or or on your websites and in your newspapers? Um, if you want me to go first, uh, I will again. I, I think it's kind of evolved, and um, I will say no sports section is alike or no sports B would be alike for uh, um, different uh, newspapers. Obviously, what we're writing about um, here in Mississippi is totally different from what Dan is writing about covering the NBA, um, although there is certainly that um, – those questions about what will happen to college football. We get a lot of that from the USA Today Network. Um, and if we can obviously get our coaches talking about it, those things are, um, you know, certainly interesting. I think that first week, it was just like we're on breaking news alert, particularly those first two or three days. Okay, the NCAA tournament's canceled. Okay, the SEC uh, tournament's canceled. And it's like breaking news and breaking news. And then we quickly transitioned into once we could get players and coaches writing stories about the emotional toll this takes, you know, you're a team that was, you know, uh, ranked number five in the country in college baseball, the devastation that those players have from not having a chance to go on to the college world series is something that we will focus on. And then we were able to do that for college baseball and the basketball team and certain seniors who have followings. So the stories just kind of like trickled out. Um, and then, you know, I told the guys, the other thing we need to do is at this time, you know, start thinking of FOIA ideas, whether it's coaches salaries or assistant coaches um, right now, we know it's tough, but if you put in FOIAs in March and you get them back in April, 
then you'll have stories for then you're setting yourself up down the line. Um, and I think with us here the past two weeks, three weeks even, um, in Mississippi, we've been just particularly fortunate uh, to have real news and social media news. Um, I think the big news the first week of April was that our football coach tweeted out a joke. He thought of um, a woman knitting a noose for her husband um, during while they're social distancing, and that just created all types of a ruckus here in Mississippi. Yikes. Um, yes, yikes indeed. Uh, so he had to uh, – we started asking questions once we saw players um, actually upset about it. And then he, he deleted it, and then he um, apologized for it, then a player transfer, and this is going out over several days. And then the university had publicly admonished him. And so we had like a five-day stretch of news where no one else is writing those types of stories. Um, then I think – we, then I know we had a coaching change. You know, women's basketball is not as uh, big as men's basketball at a lot of universities. But uh, here at Mississippi State, we have a, a top 10 program, and the mm -hmm. men's basketball coach left to go. And so coaches' searches are obviously about as newsworthy as you can get when you are covering college athletics. Um, and so coaching searches are, you know, are – quite honestly, a boom for us in terms of subscriptions, in terms of uh, reader interest, uh, whatever you want to page views, whatever you want to metric you want to look at, that's the time where we go. And so we've had that to kind of rely on. And so um, that's lasted for like a whole week. And then that just kind of took us right into the NFL draft, along with uh, players, um, um, what do you call it, declaring for the NBA draft or leaving school or transfer season. There's always seems to be something in Mississippi, but I said that in South Carolina too. and I'm sure you could say it in California as well. Are, are, obviously, there's breaking news that you've got to cover. Are you, are you all actively looking for non-coronavirus stories then as yeah. you're doing your enterprise work or is the coronavirus thing still just engulfing all of your time? Uh, I'll kind of chime in on that one. I definitely, uh, we have right now a senior spotlight kind of segment where people can email us and nominate kids. Um, we're trying to keep that focused on spring sport seniors, considering um, they hardly got to play at all before this all happened. So um, that's where we're focusing on that. But definitely if I can get a feature or any story that doesn't have to do with coronavirus, even if it's a signing um, or somebody who... Uh, is transfer like uh, we actually had uh, a kid who he's not a kid he's an adult excuse me but um, he went to high school in our area went to a college uh, in our area also and now plays for the Seahawks and he just signed um, a new uh, tender for this upcoming season so that's kind of a good thing I'm actually trying to get a feature with him or a FaceTime interview um, but the NFL obviously one it's draft week but two they're being a little picky with interviews and stuff like that so I'm waiting to hear back from his agent but um, anything that I can do to kind of mix it up and also I think for us too especially with a newscast um, the whole show for the most part is corona based unless there's something else going on in the community that isn't um, so we're trying to be that bit of entertainment that might not necessarily be 
um, super heavy or um, that can just be a little break from everything else that's going on uh, with all of the coronavirus stuff. So anytime that I can find a story that doesn't have to do with COVID-19, I'm here for it. I mean, I, mean, I think, <clears throat> sorry to jump in. I, I agree with what Remy's saying. I, I think, um, you know, obviously if, if I don't have it in front of me, if we did an audit of the L, today's LA times, um, it'd probably be 70% coronavirus related, I would guess. Um, you know, and I, I think what's a challenge is trying to fight for that other 30%. And you're fighting with people who cover Hollywood, you're fighting with people who cover music, you're fighting with um, our food section, you're fighting with all of these different things. And I think, um, you know, from a standpoint for me, like as someone who's trying to generate story ideas, um, I do have ideas that are non-coronavirus related, but I think tying it to coronavirus in some way um, has been the most effective way to get those stories in. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned that the Jordan documentary, for instance, like even that, right? Like that was going to be something that people were going to watch regardless, but because so many people are stuck in their house um, and so many people are desperate just for anything that looks like sports. Um, it becomes, it becomes a bigger deal. And so you you're able to tie that type of stuff together and, and it, it gives it, in my opinion, more of a news peg than if it was, you know, if this was just the NBA playoffs and they were airing this, I don't, I might've written one story about it. Maybe, um, and, you know, as of now, it's like, it's weirdly like kind of transforming in some ways into becoming my beat. You know, while, while in addition to having, you know, to deal with this other stuff, trying to organize sort of like, again, like that nostalgia based type reporting. But um, I, I know from my standpoint, the easiest way to get something in the paper right now is to have a feature or news that has some tie in to coronavirus, whether it's national, international. Um, we wrote a story today, a colleague of mine, about the Chinese Basketball League and players, American players in China and kind of the the choice about whether or not to go back or not, um, you know, to go play or to try to play. And, and I think like that story will run in our paper a hundred times out of a hundred right now. You know, the fact that um, there's a Reggie Jackson who used to play for the Pistons that used to get sent baseballs to sign because people thought he was the baseball Reggie Jackson. Like that story is way harder to get in the newspaper right now, despite the fact that like we're all smiling about it. It's just way harder to get into the paper. Right mm-hmm. Yeah, I think too, really quick going off that, the, the difference between like me and Dan is that he's at a bigger, more national publication, whether it's print or TV. Um, but at least for me and my sports director in our newsroom, we kind of are a little bit autonomous um, compared to news. Um, so we get, normally it's like two and a half minutes in the early show and three and a half minutes in the late show. Um, and But that can kind of be a little bit give or take. Uh, so we can kind of we have a little bit more leniency as like what exactly um, we run. Normally it's just getting approved. Like my story idea is getting approved by the sports director and we don't really too much go to the news director or anybody else um, unless there's something that we need to. Um, So I think that's definitely a difference, like I said, between um, some of like the more local things versus a, a national publication. Is, uh, is, is your reporting of the different sports and the leagues that you all cover, is it showing anybody starting to get ready to relaunch a season or, or how are, how are you seeing sports in your areas uh, prepare to try to go back to business? 
I'll go quick yeah. on the NBA. I mean, I think the NBA wants to get back and play. Um, there's a bunch of money tied up in this. There's a bunch of people who want to try to have a champion. I think, though, at least the general sense that I'm getting is that they're still in the idea-gathering phase and not in the get-on-the-court-and-play phase, that um, there's just too much unknown. Um, but I, I also think that they're the NBA, because it's a national thing, is operating – sort of in a way um, where it might be harder than if it's a county that doesn't have any cases or something like that. Um, you, you know, I think they're, they're trying to figure something out. Um, my optimism slash pessimism, it alternates. Um, you know, today I feel like, yeah, they'll try. Um, ask me yesterday, I would have been like, God, ah, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> so that, that's kind of where we're at on that, on, on my end. I think in terms of college sports, you know, college football is the big one right now. We all know that the NCAA tournament basketball season, you know, would have passed and they canceled that a long time ago. Um, they canceled the College World Series in March as well. Uh, so uh, everyone's looking ahead to football season. How does that look? And it's, uh, you know, I think the football coaches are frustrated because they are sometimes the most powerful people at a university, depending on the situation. And right now they are not, you know, they just can't roll out the footballs and get practice started when they want. Um, and they can't have the games when some of them think they should have the games, which is right on schedule. Um, I think that, you know, the university presidents are totally in control for once. Um, and with so many universities it thinking that they're not going to have students on campus in August or early September or maybe for the first semester as a whole, um, it's put football coaches in a position where you can't possibly have these athletes playing football um, if you don't have kids on campus. So, you know, I can't predict what the curve is going to look like or what's going to happen. But, you know, you have also have so many of these uh, experts who are, you know, saying a bunch of different things, whether it's uh, we can't have open up the country until there is a, a vaccine. And I don't know if that's the case, but that's just what people are saying. Um, and you certainly don't want, you know, the curve to flatten or we decrease and then you start stuffing 80,000 people into a football stadium and people are getting sick. And then we have to go through this all over again, just because people wanted to have their college football uh, so it's a tough position. It is, it is so important for us as an industry to have games. Um, but, you know, we obviously can't think of it like that. Um, you know, someone asked the question, what am I looking forward to when uh, sports return? And I said advertising money because so much of, you know, Dan mentioned his smaller section um, and I'm experiencing the same thing in newspapers all across the country are so much of advertising is uh, event based, um, whether you are talking about uh, minor league baseball um, advertising with the local paper or whether you're talking about a monster monster truck rally coming into town or even theater. And with all these things being shut down, um, you don't there's and these businesses being shut down, they're not going to advertise if they're not making any money and they're mm -hmm. shut down. So 
um, it's a tough time for uh, everyone. So I, I guess I'm a little bit off track, but going back to, you know, what happens in the fall and when, when will sports resume? I think it is so much up in the air right now. And, you know, basically you're following the lead of the universities and what they're going to do with the student body. If the student body is allowed back on campus, if things progress to a, a rate where you see a lot of improvement and, you know, people are back on campus, football season will happen. If it doesn't, um, if things don't improve fast enough, then you may see it something where football season starts in October or January, but they're going to try to get it in within the next school year one way or another, even if that means football from January to April. Wouldn't be a bad thing, you know, if we had football at all. But uh, <laughs> I definitely – I hope that we have college football, NFL. Like, I hope that all these things come back because um, even for people who, like us who work in the industry, we love sports just as much as somebody who's just a fan. Um, that's, I think, why a lot of us got into this uh, area. So I, I hope that it comes back. I definitely could see it coming back with no fans, um, you know, empty, empty arenas, if that would be the case, um, because they – you know, they're wanting that, you know, we talk about the NBA having a lot of money wrapped up in this season. Like they want to be able to have these games in order to make some sort of money. Same thing with the colleges and every other league. Um, I know actually the Texas Motor Speedway that's in Fort Worth, we don't cover them a whole lot, but because they're kind of in our area, um, we get their press releases and stuff. And they said that they are going to start doing races uh, sometime in the near future with no fans, they don't have a specific timeline yet, but the governor of Texas did give them the, the green flag, as they called it, uh, to start kind of getting that prepared again. So I think in certain situations like racing where you don't have to, there's no, besides like the pit crew, there isn't a lot of physical contact with people. Um, those kind of things will start to come back quicker than probably football or basketball. But um, yeah, I definitely hope, you know, just, I would like to, get back to quote unquote normal as soon as we can. But yeah, I don't know how, how soon that's going to be happening. So, so, so other than advertising money, what, <laughs> what is it that you all, it's a good question. What is it that you all are looking forward to most when um, some things start to go back to at least a little bit more normal times? I think uh, real quick, somebody on Twitter, I think it was last week was like, what is the most specific thing that you miss about sports? Like be as specific as you could possibly be. And I was like, I genuinely miss trying to cover five games in one night when two, like there's two boys games and two girls games at two different schools, 40 minutes away to like trying to get back and forth and edit and send back and write scripts and get the CGs done. Like that kind of chaos we, at least I do, I feed on that and I love it. And it's definitely stressful, but um, I think that's like one of the funnest parts of our job. Um, so I, I miss that because that's also normal for us, you know, and for you guys, like being on deadline and having to um, get certain things done at a certain time. Like I love that sense of schedule. Um, so I really miss that. And also just like, I'm pretty social. I like to be around people. So um, especially too, because we cover a lot of high school. I built a lot of great relationships with our coaches and players. So not being able, being able to see them um, and just being around them is kind of a bummer. I think that's what I was going to say is that I think um, to be good in this job, um, you know, when you're, especially when you're in the field, like you have to, you have to be social. 
Like yeah. it's just, it feels like a requirement that that's just something you have to do is you have to talk to people. You have to have conversations and relationships and um, not having those in like face-to-face interactions and stuff like that is definitely something I, I, I miss. Weirdly, another thing I miss and like, I've been very lucky to have this time at home. Um, we have a young family and like, that's been awesome. I, I love working on the road and mm-hmm. I, it's one of those things that um, especially in my job, when you go somewhere and you have a very specific story in mind and you've got time to like kind of observe and like you can have two or three days to like really formulate something like those generally at, at the stage of my career, the stories I'm most proud of is when you go somewhere, the, the, newspapers trusted you in spending this money to go do it and you have to deliver and there's a pressure in that. I, I miss that. I don't know how much of that's going to come back to be totally honest. Um, you know, Ro was talking about advertising. I don't know how much of that is going to come back. Um, I think uh, subscriptions and subscri- like relationship relationships with subscribers feels like is going to be something um, that we rely on even more moving forward to stuff we're trying to do now um, is find ways to engage with as many subscribers as possible. Um, we were doing that even a little bit before all this stuff, but um, to me, those are the, the two biggest things. Like I, I, I do miss, like I, I liked being able to get on a plane and go somewhere and go see something new um, at this point though. I, I don't know, man, the free press room ice cream sounds pretty good too. Just to like get out of the house. And, yes. Free and, press food, Dan. And, yes. And, and, and get, get, get some soft serve or something. It, it would be, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a good question, Jeremy. The answer is like a lot of it, to be honest. Like I miss, being able to, I miss being able to do my job the way that I've done it for, you know, 15 years. Like mm-hmm. it's weird to not do it that way. Yeah. Um. I'm going to stick with my original answer. Advertising. <laughs> I'm in management. I don't get to go out like these guys. I'm sitting in the office anyway. Um, I think it is, uh, again, an important time for kind of young reporters that I deal with. You know, Dan has loads of experience. You know, he's been doing this as long as I have. Um, and I think it is a valuable time for them to understand some of the ways that you work FOIAs and request FOIAs and build relationships with some people behind the scenes um, and do some things that they don't have time to normally do. Just to be clear, I, I want sports to come back, but while they're not, you know, I'm not working late nights, um, all my copies coming in in the regular part of the day um, during business hours, eh, I kind of like it. But I, I want sports to come back. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm not missing anything more than as a manager and someone who wants to stay in management. I'm not missing anything more than space in the paper. I, would, I would just love an eight to ten page sports section instead of a four page sports section. Ro, you said something really interesting in there, too, I think, about working sources behind the scenes. There was a question in the queue about is it easier to get a hold of high profile people right now? And the answer is no. No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, You know, LeBron James had to talk to me um, after every game. If I had a question, he had to talk to me. Like there were rules. Um, Now he's just doing TikToks with his kids. With Bronny. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I follow him. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm on TikTok. There's like, so there's, um, but, but so, you know, if you can't talk to those people, like, 
who do you talk to? And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's a really good point is, is talking to people behind the scenes. Like I've used a sound to, I've spent a lot more time talking to different PR people around the league, guys that I would maybe see, you know, men and women that I would maybe see once or twice a year, just checking in, hitting up, you know, people that are, you know, not the, not the number one decision maker in organizations, but the third or the fourth, or, you know what I mean? Just these different people that you kind of cross paths with just hitting them with hope the family's well, like, you know, hope you're hanging in there and like letting that be a jump off point into some organic conversation, whether it's about what ideas are happening, what's going on with the NBA draft or just like the new, whatever, you know, if I know a guy likes Pearl Jam or something, the new Pearl Jam record, I got hot. Pearl Jam was a rock band in the nineties. Uh, people <laughs> who were watching along, um, they still make music. Your parents probably like them. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think, like that to me that that's a really smart thing and really good advice is that at this point because generally speaking and this is i think a trap a lot of us fall into is uh, especially for someone like me like lebron james drives a ton of content for us right like it is a very easy way to get stories read um people are super interested um the amount of people that lebron james gives news to is is, is pretty small right? Like a lot of it is just kind of there for everybody. So knowing people in his orbit, knowing people that, you know, whether it's trainers or drivers or security people, that stuff, like those relationships are way more valuable than the, like the relationships with like the stars. The janitor, um, the equipment yeah, manager. For sure. And, and I think that that applies, you know, when I covered preps, um, I would learn more about athletic departments from you know, the girls tennis coach than it would from the football coach mm-hmm. for sure. <clears throat> we, we obviously have a lot of young sports journalists who are looking for things to do with spring sports seasons canceled in most places around the country. Um, Romano, you're the editor in the group here. What kind of tips do you have for them as they're trying to find stories uh, to post on their news websites or to fill their yearbook pages as they're trying to wrap those things out? What, what kinds of things should they be looking for as they cover sports in their schools? Um, I, I think, again, you want to focus on people and their emotions. You can't run from coronavirus right now. So the stories that are out there, um, the pitches that you make, they need to be um, they need to somehow incorporate the times we're living in. Certainly, um, Dan hit it right on the head. He's like, he's got great story ideas, but people, for the most part, don't care. Um, or maybe his editors don't care. And, um, you know, we certainly had some stories, quote, unquote, bomb, um, if they were not reflective of what's going on right now. If, um, I, I think there is an avenue for good news, uh, but still, it's still coronavirus related. If people want that good news, but that's the only way they can get it is through some lens of coronavirus. Um, I think, you know, high school students are kind of who you feel most bad for right now. Um, if there's an angle about, um, you know, people missing out on their senior seasons or um, if they were hoping to, you know, get some exposure through their games to get some type of uh, scholarship or, or sign with a community college or something. Um, it's really put them in a, a tight, tight spot. But I think the uh, one of the 
most important things you can do is you got to shoot your shot, man. You know, uh, you're going to stories are going to get shot down, but you got to keep trying. You have to be persistent and um, you just have to sound budget lines, man. You, you're you trying to make a pitch. You're trying to sell yourself. Um, I get so many pitches about stories and they're asking me questions about the story or just saying, I'm going to talk to this person or this person. I'm like, you have nothing. Pitch me an angle that grabs my attention. What meaningful language are you going to have to, to really bring home that this is a story that I want to read and edit? Like, that's, that's a big thing. Like, as the editor, I, I do a lot of reading. People ask me, you know, they ask me, what, what books have you read lately? Uh, Mississippi State Sports, Ole Miss Sports. I don't have, I read all day. <laughs> uh, but you just, again, I think you just want to focus on the emotion and don't forget the time start we're in and really be able to um, sell that through a, a strong interview with somebody who's going through something. You know, parents will tell you all the ways their kid, they feel bad for the kid. And it can lead to uh, a com- compelling narrative. I think, I think there are two, sorry, real quick, Jim. I think yep. a real good thing for young journalists to focus on right now when they're pitching stories, especially if you're working with or and around people in your peer group, like you're always going to know them better than people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely use that to your advantage. And I think situations like this, like chaotic situations tend to breed innovation um, and they tend to, to kind of breed creativity. And so finding ways that people are using things to do things differently and new. I think if the word new, it should be something that I think in a story pitch is always like should be on your mind that this was the way people used to do things here might be the way that people do things from now on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those kinds of stories um, I think are very valuable right now, even if they're a little predictive um, and you don't necessarily know what two months is going to look like from now. But, and then also, you know, people used to do things this way. What are they doing now? How are they filling their time and stuff like that? And if it's not, and my, my advice would be is if the answer is just like, well, playing a lot of video games or, you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, like, if it's nothing that interesting, like, just move on. But, you know, there are people that are doing different things with, like, technology. Like, I, I read a story the other day, I can't remember where I read it, about somebody who used this time to start to run. Like that is like a base level thing, right? Like that's not that interesting, but there's a ton of people who don't run and there's a lot of people who have nothing but time and sort of like learning about the process of someone going from doing nothing to something to me is inherently interesting. And and so I think finding those kinds of stories that this event happened, what's happening from it, um, those will always, I think, um, should garner some interest. What, what other tips do you all have for um, our young journalists who are interested in getting into sports media? What kinds of things should they be trying to do now um, in their high school classrooms or beyond to, to try to get started? I will start off real fast. Um, I think this is a fantastic time to network. Um, you, a lot of, I've seen it all over Twitter, um, especially people who um, you could say quote unquote famous, at least people like broadcasters. Um, a lot of them have said, Hey, 
there's no games. I have so much free time on my hand. Are you, do you want me to look at your reel? Do you want me to read your resume? Do you want to um, FaceTime about how you can grow and network and make a better, um, like kind of set yourself up for once you graduate or even after people have graduated. So take advantage of that. Um, I know, I don't know if Jeremy, you can give out my email if anybody wants to talk to me after this, I'd be happy to reach out, um, especially because I just graduated last year. So for those of you who are either in college or um, starting or in high school to kind of get navigating that area, I'm not too far removed from there. So I can kind of help you guys out as much as I can, but take advantage of that opportunity. Um, if you are looking to, you know, you've been putting off, putting a reel together because you just don't want to sit down and take the time to do that. I may be guilty of that. Um, this is the time to do that, especially with, um, you know, being stuck at home and, or even I would say too, if you're interested um, in wanting to learn After Effects or just get better at editing, this is the time to sit down and go on YouTube and watch some tutorials and try to figure out, um, you know, how to make the best graphic or, you know, do that kind of stuff. And who knows, maybe, you know, I've seen a lot of, uh, of my friends do that and, uh, you know, they're getting some traction on social media of some stuff that they've created that looks really cool. And it might not be perfect. It might not be like, professional level but I think this is the time to really experiment and um you know figure that kind of stuff out and also see you know maybe something is interesting to you and you want to try it I I think the networking part of this is um so valuable um we touched on this real quick I'll just like I I left Michigan State um my grades weren't very good I was working a lot and getting a lot of good practice a lot of valuable practice but I wasn't handling the rest of my, my sort of my, my business the way I should. And, and, you know, as kind of, I moved through, you know, transferring colleges and, and starting um, my first job out of college, my first full-time job was in Mississippi, actually covering Ole Miss um, with some of Rose colleagues. And uh, after a year, my contract didn't get renewed and I was totally adrift um, living in a state I didn't want to live in. Um, in a house that I couldn't afford anymore um, and all of this stuff. And I was searching job boards and saw a job that was open in California. And I, I had met somebody along the way um, who had been promoting a book in Mississippi. And I emailed this person and was just kind of like, hey, do you know this guy, Ryan, who's doing this hiring? He's like, yeah, I know him a little bit. Like, whatever, you know, put, you should apply. I'll put in a word. Um, I did not know that Ryan, my future boss, was in this person's wedding, and mm. it, it got my application. That, like, I mean, it. I think I got the job because I'm I'm good at what I do. But like, it certainly helped that I knew these people, and, and I can say the same thing for when I left that website to go work for the Orange County Register, um, knowing people and helping, and and there were people I played softball with that helped me got that job. Um, mm. You know what I mean? When I moved to the LA Times. Um, you know, relationships that I've had with people and colleagues and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think, you know, building that sort of network, don't be afraid to, to email your favorite reporters. Um, Jeremy, post my email on here. If, if you're a young sports writer and you have questions, shoot me an email. I, I will do my best to answer them. If I don't answer it right away, email me again. Yeah, um, yes. You, you, you know what I mean? And like, don't worry. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, this person like if I, if I don't get to it, I, I won't be annoyed. You could email me all the time. And I just wouldn't, if I just didn't answer, it'd be because, I mean, I've got, you know, like 1100 or 738 emails right now. Sorry, you can't see it, but like, yeah. 
you, you know, but, but I, I mean, I think this is a good time to do it because as Remy pointed out, there are a lot of people who have time. And mm-hmm. I think there, I think generally speaking, most of us all have stories like this where somebody has helped us get, it, it is not a thousand percent merit-based um, that people have helped us. And we, I know me personally, I want to try to pay that help forwards if I can. Yeah, really quick too. I similar situation, or I didn't transfer schools, but I didn't graduate with a four point. I had a decent GPA, um, but for me, grades were important, and I wanted to be proud of what my, you know, of doing well in school, and obviously pass all my classes. Um, but at least in journalism, it's not like uh, you're going into pre med and you have to have a perfect GPA in order to try to get into a school. Um, I had, like I said, an average GPA, and but my experience, I think, is really. I mean, I didn't even put my GPA on my resume. Nobody cares. Like nobody in journalism is like, "What was your grade point when you graduated college?" No, no, that's not a thing. We should all. Everybody should look at Jeremy's face as, as we all as we all say this. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh-huh. I didn't follow your questions. Okay. No, this this is what I tell my students too. Is, you know, I mean, I try to tell them come to class and I'm gonna grade you and all that. But at the end of the day nobody has ever asked me for my GPA either. So um, it's the business that we're in. It's the, you got to build experience. You got to make positive relationships with people. And, you know, part of getting a good grade probably means that you made a positive relationship with a professor or a teacher and Mm -hmm. that can be a good thing. But yeah, no, very few people, if anybody in journalism or media is going to ask you about your GPA. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, I, I don't want to say that I slacked in my classes because I was working hard at my internships because I, I didn't do that. But um, put as much effort into your internships or into your work experience in high school or college as you would um, your classes because they're, I, in my opinion, they have equal weight on your resume or um, when you're getting into the workforce. And I think that's a really good point. Sorry, you're going to jump in. Um, whatever you are covering, treat it like you are covering your absolute dream job. Yeah. I think that is, um, when I first started at the state news, I was an intern and then I, I, I know I (laughs) thought that I deserved the opportunity to cover football. Uh, Jeremy, you might remember this. You were the editor and you guys, everybody decided to put me on women's volleyball instead. And I was disappointed. Underrated beat. I, it was, oh, it was the best. I, but, um, I, went to every women's volleyball practice. I argued for travel funds um, to go mm-hmm. cover them on the road. Um, I treated it like it was covering, you know, uh, an NFL team. And, and those experiences were wildly valuable because then by the time I got to do that stuff in my mind, at least mentally, I'd already had experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, granted, it's a little different navigating an interview with 80 people when you're just talking to one person. But like you've built, a, uh, at least for me, it allowed me to build a foundation of experience that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So thank you, Joe. <laughs> what, what is something that each of you wishes you knew back when you were just getting started in the business, whether it was just exploring journalism in high school or college that, that you know now? What's something that, that you wish you would have known back then? Um, I, again, I don't know that there's something I wish I would have known. I felt like I knew a lot. We had such amazing talent coming right in. Um, when I got to the state news, you know, Dan was there, Eric McKinney, Jeremy, um, Kevin Hardy, 
Jimmy Yankee, Krista Latham. My goodness, it was just so many people you could learn from. And these people worked at the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, um, and so many things. I think um, I once put my GPA on my resume. Wasn't a good move because the GPA wasn't good, by the way. 3.5 and up should be the minimum if you're going to put your uh, GPA on your resume. Yeah. Um, I think um, you should, people should really take pride in the writing. Sometimes we, that goes um, unnoticed or not unnoticed, but I don't think people really invest in trying to become, better writers um some of that is the editors that you might work with some of it is you know um you know your own natural ability um but really strive to be a compelling writer um and i don't think enough people um coming up in journalism these days are take a lot of pride or as much pride in their writing as they they really should um and, you know their reporting is invaluable you could be the best um reporter i mean you'd be the best writer if you don't have reporting you your story's going to be lacking but um you know just try to be a well-rounded journalist try to get better at reporting and asking the right questions and learning which questions rub people the right right way and rub them the wrong way and um put out fillers on your writing you know like get critiques you know um Coming up as a young writer, um, I got more feedback and um, constructive criticism and tips at the state news than I did once I actually got into the business. And again, I would just thank a Kevin Hardy, a Jeremy Steele, or Eric McKinney for like actually saying, the way you're doing this sucks. You should write it like this because. Uh, and, you know, People are sensitive, so you don't want to exactly say it like that. But writing is a lifetime um, chore in trying to improve. So I, well, my advice to people is, you know, if your editor's not giving it to you because they're overwhelmed or they're a fixer more than a coach, you know, shoot your shot with somebody else. Have a mentor. You can say, hey, can you critique this piece? What do you like about it? Um, what do you what do you think's lacking in it? You know, should I be using stronger verbs? And yes, you should. Uh, <laughs> uh, should you be writing in more of a narrative style? Yes, you should. Uh, should you go? It is just a bunch of different things out there that make uh, writers great. And you should be trying to get feedback constantly in your career if you're not getting it from your editor um, whose job it is to help you get better. But I, I just, I've seen it so much throughout my career and heard it so much where people are sending out, you know, their stories to their professors because they're not getting, their old professors, like, because they're mm -hmm. not getting it from their editors or their friends or things like that. So, um, you know, Dan is right, man. I get emails and sometimes I feel bad. I can't get to them. I got a million things going on. But um, if you have a mentor, that person is probably, you know, they might take, they'll, find some time every now and then um so just shoot your shot and getting feedback if you're not getting it uh at your job i think that um <clears throat> the thing that i wish i had known it's funny that rose said focus on the writing and that's obviously 
wildly important. Um, your ability to have an idea and communicate it um, to go from like here to like your fingers or your mouth or what, I, I think that'd be the second thing, right? Is that journalism in, in 2020 or 2025 or whatever, you know, people are entering the workforce workforce isn't, it, I, I wish somebody had told me to pay more attention to the technology mm-hmm. and, 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 and to be um, somebody like, I mean, right now, like the way that I earn money, I earn it from writing. I earn it from being on TV. I earn it from doing radio. I earn it from doing podcasts, right? I don't know how to produce any of these things. Um, but, but like the ability to, to, to be able to, to formulate those types of um, stories, because you're going to report stories that sometimes have a really strong visual element. Um, you're going to report stories that sometimes have a really strong audio element, um, you know, and being able to do more than one thing um, and, and not just, not just dabble. Um, you know what I mean? That, that really, um, we're all multimedia journalists at this point. Remy writes, she records, mm-hmm. she edits, you know what I mean? Like she's doing everything. Uh, Roe does web stuff. I'm sure they have podcasts and stuff like that. Like, I mean, he, that, like it is everything at this point. And, and so I think that's the thing I wish somebody would tell me more is that I loved working at the state news. It was awesome working at the state news. I wish I would have spent some time at the TV station. I wish I would have spent some time at the radio station. Um, you know what I mean? Doing different things and learning more about different forms of media um, than just the one that I was best at and most comfortable with. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Having a little bit of um, kind of, I don't want to say a jack of all trades because sometimes that can be overwhelming um, trying to be perfect at a lot of different things. Um, but having a skill set in some things, I mean, so for example, right now, because of coronavirus, I've been helping out on our web team, um, right? It's technically only one person who runs our website and our social media, which is very daunting. That doesn't normally happen. Um, but so I've been asked to kind of help out. I've been taking over uh, social media a little bit um, when I have time, just posting stories on um, Instagram stories and posting stuff to our feed, trying to keep our Twitter updated if there's a press conference with the governors or President Trump or anything like that. Um, but that I think kind of, I mean, I'm not a social media uh, expert by any means, but one of my internships in college was with um, a social media, uh, it was with a, a hockey team and I worked in their social media department. So um, little things that I saw from that and picked up from my um, mentors there, I think are great. Um, at least for me and TV, the one thing I would say, and I'm constantly having to remind myself of this is don't forget the little things and don't take those for granted. Um, there are countless times where I have forgotten to do one small thing that can really screw up like the whole show, like, or at least just like the sports block. Um, and it's because I just kind of took something for granted. And I was like, I, it just slipped my mind, but like having to constantly sort of be on your game and remembering all of those little things. Um, my boss and I talk about that pretty frequently um, because you want to have those basics down and never forget about them so that you can start moving on to the um, more like expert kind of things or like um, doing things that are a little bit higher level. Um, But you obviously, if you're forgetting to deck the show or if you're forgetting to change a CG or doing whatever um, that 
like those higher level things are basically irrelevant if you're not doing the basic things right. Um, so yeah, that I guess is something I wish I would also, you're going to mess up and it's going to suck. I hate it. Especially, I don't know if it's different for you guys, but because like my face is literally on TV, if I mess up, you see it in my face. If I like, if something, if the video didn't export right and it's only three seconds and it should have been 30, that's going to have like you, they're going to pop you back up on screen. You're just going to have to keep reading your script and act like nothing's wrong. Um, so I guess, and I, maybe it's also a bit of my personality. I'm type a, I'm an anagram one, like do with that information what you will, but, um, learning to screw up, uh, and having just to say, yeah, that really sucked. But tomorrow I'm not going to do it. Or like, t I got, I'm going to learn from that and, um, and you know, just make sure it doesn't happen again. It's definitely crappy and I hate it. Um, but learn that those things are going to happen. Um, but it just makes you better, honestly. So, um, yeah, I think also one of the best piece of advice is that I got, uh, right before I moved down here, I'd reached out to, Oh, mentors get a mentor. If you don't have one already, I don't know, you need to do it. I would, if you want it to be me, I just email me. Um, but find somebody who is like willing to actually talk to you on a regular basis and, and, um, make sure that they're also wanting to, to work with you, like, and having that like equal relationship. Um, cause it's not really fair if, they don't have time or if they're um, just not able and willing to, to work on that with you. But one of the, the pieces of advice that I got was um, about three months into your job, you're going to think you have it all down good and everything's going to be great. And you're going to feel really good about yourself. And then after six months, you're going to remember, Oh my God, I don't know anything. And then after nine months, you're going to feel good again. And then after about 12 months, you're going to think you don't know anything again. So th there's this kind of ebb and flow um, of things that you're like, Oh, cool. Like I'm done. Like, or, you know, I've got this down at least for me too. That was when like football season ended and I was like, oh, okay, that feels really good. Like I've got my first football season down. Like that was great. And then you get into basketball and you're like, okay, it's kind of the same, but also really different. Like everything has been changed. Um, so just learning that things are going to change and you're going to have to deal with it, whether you do good or bad is just inevitable. I don't know if that really made sense, but that was my explanation. It does. Well, that's a lot of ground that we've covered. Um, thank you to each one of you, Dan and Remy and Romando, for taking time out of your days to spend with us talking a little bit about your experiences as sports journalists. And I know all of you are pretty easy to find through a Google search. Uh, folks are looking for your contact information. Um, but thank you again for. Uh, for joining us today and hopefully we'll talk again much sooner than like 15 years later <laughs> um, or less than that thankfully with Remy um, I know, but, yeah. but let's let's keep in touch and good luck to all of you as you uh, continue on your adventures. thank you it's, it's fun uh, to follow uh, y'all a quick reminder if you want to get a hold of me the best way is to email Armando repeatedly <laughs> 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 Thanks for having me on, Thanks, guys. All, All right. right. We'll see you all later. Thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in and joining us. Bye. This has been a Better Press for a Better World, brought to you by the Michigan Interscholastic Press Association. 
Learn more about our workshops, contests, and other programs for high school and middle school journalism students and their advisors at mipamsu.org. Thanks for listening.